This podcast is produced by Clarence Valley Community Church. If you benefit from our ministry and you would like to support us, details can be found at our website, cvcc.com.au. There you can also find out more details about our church. What a wonderful opportunity to be here with you all. Um, I'm just going to be continuing on through Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. The funny part is we might do a bit of a um, backtrack and just get a bit of context, because we're going to go, the, the book of Ephesians is sort of like a puff pastry, it's got layers to it, and if you sort of miss what's happened previously, um, it, can, it can really uh, not, not be um, that effective or helpful to us, because we're going to move to, a, to a, a section of Christianity where we're going to be compelled today to be obedient to God, and that might not sound too wild for you, but if you do it in the wrong way, you're going to end up burning yourself out, or you're going to end up throwing yourself so hard at this thing and getting nowhere because it wasn't done in the right heart. God is, God is always looking to the intention of the heart. So God doesn't need obedience for obedience sake, but what he wants is children, children who are obedient. So that's what so we're going to try and um, traverse today, and so we'll do a little bit of backtrack and, and find out how Paul made it to this point of why we should obey God. So let's just pray as we, we open up today. Uh, Father, we just thank you so much that, Lord, we can come into your presence with boldness. That, Lord, you've not made yourself aloof to your people, but you're present here with us. You desire to have relationship with us as a loving father would with their own child. And Lord, we know our past. We know we don't deserve this from you. And yet you pour grace upon grace each day of our life. And Lord, we see it in your son Jesus and the relationship that we also now have with him. The one who has brought us to you, who has died for our sin. And so, Lord, we just thank you so much that we can come here and that it would be an honor for us today to learn how we could better serve you, to learn how we could be obedient in the right heart. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the most painful experiences of my life, maybe the most painful experience of my life, was when God simultaneously put my sin before my face but then also put his son there at the exact same time. You know what that does to a person's soul? When you see that you are so unworthy, you are so rejected, you should be rejected, you are in outer darkness, you're an alien, like a, like, a, like a refugee, not even a refugee, you're allowed into the kingdom of God, you are so far separated from God because of your impurity, because of your hardness of heart. It wasn't God doing this, it was me willingly living a life rebellious against God. And then in a split second, he reveals that chasm to you and then reveals his own son and says, and I take all of that because of my love for you. You know, probably the most painful months, it took months for me to work through all of that. And, and that was, a, that was a, at the end of it, a wonderful blessing. And, and I'd come through it as a Christian, someone who is so dependent upon Christ now, because I know how far I was from God. 
and that Christ lovingly, perfectly brings me into God's presence. That I'm completely accepted, no questions asked, just come, be a child of God, serve me with a heart, with your heart. Oh. And, and this is what, what Paul has done for the last few chapters as we lead up to chapter 4. Um, and he's done that for a very specific reason. Like I say, he, he wants you to obey God with the right heart. We don't want to run off into legalism, but then we don't want our heart to flutter off into, into no man's land. And it's not actually a relationship with God, but it's one where I'll dictate the Because God's just so easygoing and I can do whatever I want. And then you just flutter off into whatever road you want, which is not even how we would treat our own parents. It's like, Father, I want to respect you. Father, I, I want to come to you humbly and, and I want to learn from you. This is the relationship that he's been, been building for us. And so he first starts with the incredible love that God has for his people. If you come to Jesus, God accepts you, God loves you. And we see that in chapter 1, verse 4. I just want to read a few verses as we, as we build into this sermon today. It says, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Incredible. Incredible. Adopted into God's family. Also, in him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Can you see where I'm going here? Can you see the intention that God has towards you who are in Christ? And it doesn't stop there. Uh, chapter 2, verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You may think that's amazing. But then this is the part where you could just flutter off in your own direction, couldn't you? You could say, oh, God loves me and just, just press off into the flowers and, and really forget that it's actually a, it's an actually two-way street relationship. And so we see from chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's Handiwork. Remember, we don't detach, we're not detaching ourselves from God it's because He loves us. It doesn't mean that we can run off and do our own thing because we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, we're going to run off into a bit of confusion here as well. And a question that I'd like to answer is that. In chapter 2, we seem to see God doing all of this work inside of us. We are God's handiwork. He prepared these good works for you to do. But now we're gonna, now Paul's gonna shift that gear. He's gonna say, and here's your response. And it's that mystery between where do I start and stop and where does God start and stop in this? Like we're working together with the Holy Spirit, and it's this incredible mystery as God is permeating himself throughout your life as you grow in Christ, as he's moving through your soul, as he's changing you and conforming you to his image. It's like 
where do I start and where do I stop in this? And, and my answer for you is, I don't know. But run with it. Run with your relationship in God. There's going to be bad days. There's going to be wonderful days. But as Christians, we rest in Jesus. And from that love, we obey. And that's our text for today. Paul will be addressing what being a Christian is like. We would hate to meet God on the day of judgment and hear the words, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Like you've been so bamboozled, you've been so confused, you thought you had a relationship with God. And those people that are being described there are crying out, Lord, Lord. It's not as easy to say, well, they were unbelievers or, or they, were, they were from maybe some other religion. They're, they're looking to, to the Lord and going, you're the one I thought I was worshipping this whole time. And what's the command or what's the, the sentence? You workers of lawlessness, no. No, we don't want to hear that. So today's sermons, uh, the sermon title might be called, True Christians Are Doing Being a Christian. We're doing that. We're, we're being a Christian, if I could put it any simpler. Um, we all here know that it's not the sinner's prayer that saves someone, just, the, just the, the fluffy words that come out of your mouth and then, you know, it's a week or a month later, you, you're just living your old life. We know that it's not the prayer itself. It's, it's a change of heart. It's being born again by the Spirit. We also know that it doesn't matter how obedient a child might be, that's going to do nothing for you when you meet God, because you must have faith in Jesus. And so this is Paul today, bringing these two things together, making us understand them a bit better, so that we will walk correctly before our God. And I think that really should be the pursuit of each one of us who have come today, who are here at church, is, Lord, how can I give my life up to you the right way? I don't, I don't want to know what, what some guy on TV has said. I don't want to even know Dan's opinion. Who cares about me? Lord, I want to know from your own mouth and from your apostles how I ought to live. And then pursue that. Run in that. I think it's times when we take a break from that that it's actually quite not healthy for us. You know, all sorts of trouble. Lord, I'll just take a break for a month. Oh, oh man, you, you, a month later, you're a mess. Because you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, but you're not walking in the Spirit. It's uh, not a nice place to be. And so we want to be people who have a consistent heart that is moved to action by real, genuine, living faith. So it's not the sinner's prayer that saves, but it's the one in whom you've placed your faith. And in that, in Christ, our heart is open to obey, to love God. We're transformed. So let us read our text today. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 24. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not 
the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Who here sees their life as them being transformed to be like God? I want to touch on that a bit later. Who wakes up in the morning and thinks that? Who's pursuing that to be like God in righteousness and holiness? The reason I believe we're here now, and we've just, we've just turned to obedience in the text in Ephesians 4, is we see just a few verses earlier in Ephesians 4, verse 14. He has said, To beware of every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemings. And so he's, he's just come off the back of saying, I'm, I'm speaking to a church, just like us. He's written this letter to, to the church in Ephesus, and he's just finished saying, after all of the love that God has for you, all of the insurmountable love that Christ has for you, and then he's just said, but you, Christian, beware. You know, it's really, pride can destroy us. You know, we think, I'm, I'm impenetrable to the, to the words of the enemy. I won't get led astray. You know, but Paul's talking to people who are Christians, See, they must be on the lookout. They must be careful who they let into their ears, whose life they're watching, and to, to, to try and emulate. Is it from God? And it's scheming, isn't it? It's not something like, you know, some people, it's a bit funny, they think that, that Satan is just so obvious in his workings. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, today it seems like he is in the world. But the things that are happening in our country bring me to tears. But he's got to be a bit careful with us. We, we've, got a, we've got somewhat of a detection, a radar going on. We've got the word of God. But as I said, Paul has written this to the church to say, you watch out. People are going to come along and say, it's maybe not so bad. Don't worry about that. Let's do this. Let's believe this. Let's think this. And you know, you maybe not tell right at the start the intentions of this person, where their heart's at. Realistically, we don't really know where anybody's heart's at. We can know by their fruit, but deep down, on the, on the day you meet God, that's when we know. That's when the rubber hits the road. And so he's, he's moved into this now obedience and this living this Christian life. Because we have seen it, even in Jude and a few of the other books of the Bible, there were people who were scheming, they were secretly coming in to destroy the unity, to destroy the holiness. Like, we're, we're to be in the likeness of our God, and someone comes in and tells you to start compromising, and it's okay. God will, God will take that one for you. Don't, don't worry about it. Let your guard down. We also see this, I just want to quickly read from 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 says... But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, 
brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. How do we come up against this? They look godly. They can act godly. And this stuff is in their heart. It's a false form of godliness within the church, mind you. It's not talking about watch out for those guys over there. He's saying watch out for those in here. And I pray none of you. Instead of becoming more like God, so the denying of that power, instead of becoming more like God, they grow in their ability to act Christian. Instead of to be being a Christian, which is what we're talking about today. Does our walk with God, if I could put it in a, in a better analogy, are we a fine wine? You know, I've heard that, that well, I'm, I know nothing about wine. I don't, um, yeah, anyway, my taste buds don't work like this, but apparently wine over time tastes a lot better. Apparently. You know, and, so, and some of us, you know, are we, are we on a Christian journey where we're pursuing that? We're pursuing getting better. We're pursuing our walk with God. And, and, and obviously that's going to bear fruit. Obviously God's going to take us on a, on a journey with Him and we're going to grow in Him. Are we, are we on that journey? Or is it probably more like a new car you get and year on year? It, I don't know how you treat cars, but I don't treat them well. Like they get serviced late. The things begin to fall apart and I'm, that, I'm the guy who says she'll be right for another you know, week or two. Um, and, and, and it's sort of like our, our, our walk with God is just going like this. And so to, to prop up the bad attitude I've got towards cars, you know, you've got to put on a, you've got to, you've got to add acting to your day to day to exist in the Christian community. And unfortunately, humans are really good at that. Really good at that. Putting on a false front. I've heard you can be with someone for a year. I don't know if it's true, but I heard you can be with someone for a year and, and, and they can sustain a type of personality. And then, and then things begin to be exposed that you didn't realize existed in that person. I mean, we're just great at it. We all know it because we've acted like this before. We've done this in our own lives. We've not been open and honest with our character. We all have that ability within us. But I want to stop here. I want to just put a pause, grind the brakes on here, and remind you that he's talking to a people that he absolutely loves. Because you see where this can go. Now that we're about to talk about obedience, he has just lavished them in the love that God has for them. And I want to bring us back there. I want to pull you back because it's so easy to, I guess, self-brutalize, self-harm, because you're hearing a sermon about obedience. You're then comparing yourself maybe to other Christians in the room or, or you, you, you feel like, oh, there's so much more. There's so much more. And there is, brothers and sisters. There is so much more you could be doing for God. But we don't detach then from the love that has just been described that we have in Christ. You know, you start to panic. We've all done it. You start to panic and you start making bad decisions. That's, that's like us with our walk with God. You begin to panic. You think, I'm not measuring up. I'm not measuring up. And instead of looking to Him to get you through, to sustain you, to maybe get back on the in the relationship with God, 
you start to then really operate under your own power and you're stuffed. Like literally, you can't do, you can't walk as a Christian without Christ going before you, without the love of God going before you. It's the wrong, wrong way. You put him behind and it's all on you. You are going to crash and burn. Or you're going to produce a, I wouldn't even say, a, a, a foreign form of relationship. And that, that only leads to, to a toxic, toxic relationship with God and with your fellow brothers and sisters. And so don't lose sight of the love that God has for us as we move into these verses. Paul will start by stressing the importance of being godly. In verse 14, he has said, I insist on it in the Lord. He's saying this is an imperative of your life that you are not to walk like the Gentiles, your former life. Remember, it was God who pulled you out. It was God who said, he's already said this. This is God's work in you. And now he's saying this to Christians. Don't think you're going to go back and party again and enjoy that sin like you used to. Don't go back to the old way, to the old you. This is the warning for Christians. But also it might be one for us to keep an eye out for. If we do have these, these things that where people can come in scheming, where they're, they're putting on a false front, they're, they're, they have a form of godliness and there's stuff going on, it's like, oh, Paul talked about this. You know, like I don't have to be overwhelmed and, and think that, the, you know, the world's going crazy because you've found out someone's really not measuring up or adding up to the, the faith that they say they have in their heart. Like I said, we can all have a bad day. This is not about being perfect. But it's, what does your life consist of? Is it a pursuit of God? Or is it being propped up? Is it being propped up with a bit of an act? And so we are called as Christians no longer to live as the Gentiles. We are so transformed by the Spirit's working within our heart that we look different from our former way of life, from the rest of the world. If you've, you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably experienced the hatred that comes from non-Christians. I mentioned this morning at our church, I was had um, the last couple of days I had to, I got a great time to interact with a Muslim and just the, the vicious anger and hatred that was coming from this person. I said, look, if you want to chat, I, I know, I know you're, you're trying to disprove Christianity. I'm happy to allow you to enter into that with me. Let's, let's have that chat. But not unless you're willing to ask some tough questions about your own sin, about who Christ really is, about how God has revealed his son. And it just went from bad to worse because the funny thing is we as Christians have nothing but love these people. Am I any different from somebody else? No, but by the grace of God. We love people. We want people to come into a relationship with Jesus, but we've got to realize when our time is being wasted, when the intention isn't there to actually want to seek God, but to just push one of their own agendas. But it's so funny debating with people. If you've ever done that before, it's like we have the spirit of the living God in us. We have God with us everywhere we go. We're learning his word. We're growing in his word and our relationship with him. And you think you can come here and say that there's another God or another way. It's, uh, it's not going to work. And so these people, 
who are of the world. They have, they, are, they have a separated life from God, darkened in their understanding, given over to sensuality, impurity, greed. Now, this isn't a, a list of everything. You know, Paul is just giving us a real quick snapshot of what it's going to look like. And he's saying, don't you go down these roads. Don't follow that former life. It's going to end in ruin for you. The dulling effects of sin. I don't want to ask for hands, but who here has got caught up in sin in their own Christian walk? And the, the dulling effect that it has with your relationship with God. You know, and if you keep going back to it, you start to feel like a hypocrite. You start to feel, can I come into the presence of a holy God? And I've got this going on, and I refuse to let it go. And, and if you're a true Christian, the Holy Spirit's beating you around the head. I know that happens to me. You know, if you, you're getting stubborn with something, and it's like God will bring you back through that. But the world doesn't play by that standard. They don't play by these rules. They don't have the impact of the Holy Spirit upon their life and the leading of God. And so for them... These sins come with, with, without a conscience or less of a conscience. Maybe a worldly form of guilt, but not one where they feel that they're going to stand before a holy God and they need his help to be pulled up out of it. And so the dulling effect of sin occurs. Paul is going to go into more detail as we look through this book at a concise, like what sins is he talking about? Was lying and greed and evil that goes on in our own hearts. Um, but remember as well that he's just said that this is not the way that you were taught. Now we have to we have to go back a little bit to understand what he what he means by that. Remember, he's already brought up um, in chapter four the prophets, the teachers, the preachers, the evangelists. And if you're here for that sermon, it's our job. So the apostles through the word and the prophets. The teachers, the preachers, the evangelists, like their whole role is to bind Christ down to the foundation of your life and keep you there. Like maybe the, the tracks on a railroad, you're going 150 kilometers an hour, and, and it's the job of, of those who are given that position in the church to say, and keep it founded on Christ who is the head. Don't detach. He needs to permeate through every area of your life. You need empowerment by your relationship with Jesus lest your train is going to fall off the tracks. And so he's saying that these people are going to teach you this, this, this way of life. You were not taught that former way of life. When you came into the faith, you came in through brothers and sisters who had the gift of being able to speak into certain situations, of being able to guide you and teach you how to live holy, how to be pleasing in God's sight. And so, like I said, this book sort of all folds together for us today. But why is he telling the people of God about this? We already mentioned that God's doing all of this work in us. Why do we need to hear this? And I think from chapter 4 in Ephesians, verse 22, we get the answer. Because we can be corrupted by the deceitful desires. This formal way of life, it's deceitful. It's going to try and bring you back at times. The enemy or your own flesh is going to have a bit of a go and call you back into itself. And so as Christians, we remember what we are taught. We stand on the foundation of Christ and we live 
out our Christian life. Being made new in the attitude of our minds. And to put on the new self. And to put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Who lives as though they are going to be presenting a masterpiece to God? A masterpiece to God. Did you know that's what you are? As God is, as God, as you are becoming more like God in, in holiness, in righteousness, you're going to be bringing something to the throne room on the day you meet God. Now, in our culture, when you hear the word masterpiece, you're thinking skilled work, you're thinking beautiful, colorful, bold, magnificent, maybe creative. But even that has its trappings in that you start comparing yourself and you start lifting yourself up and getting worried. Your role is just to abide. That's what Paul's been saying throughout this whole book. Abide in the love that God has for you. Be empowered by Him to conform you and transform you, putting on the new self. It's a, it's a more of resting in Him rather than striving under your own strength to become something for God. You imagine that, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove myself to you. We don't have the power to do that. <laughs> we have the power to be His children and rest in Him. We have the power to allow Him to lead in our lives and stop taking control. Like every time we compromise, it's us taking control. Like whenever a Christian sins, whenever we decide we're going to neglect maybe a spiritual discipline in our life, what are we doing? We're taking hold of something and saying, not today, God, not for you. I take that off the table. But if, if, if you've had maybe a, maybe times in your life where you've been very elevated in the spirit, where you've been lifted up and you feel like you're on cloud nine with God, what, what are you doing? Your hands normally open. Whatever you want, Lord, wherever you want me. What do you want me to do? Oh, someone's abusing me. I'll, I'll submit. I don't need to fight them for evil with evil. I'll forgive them. I'll love them. It's not about ego. It's not about pride. You know, so, and so this is where Paul, like I said, he's gone off the back of all of that and said, and now let's be obedient. But let's do it in the right way. Let's be Christians. And so, yes, you will be presenting a masterpiece to God. But it's just being like God, being the ambassador of Christ. And I just want to say as I close up today that if you're yet to trust in the love of God, I say that please make today the day of salvation where you hand your life over to God and say, God, I've been trying this thing myself for a long time now, but Lord, you're my creator. You've told me what you want me to do. Put my faith in your son. Repent of my sins. And God's made some promises here for us today that all who place their faith in his son, they're going, he's going to give them eternal life. They will be in the kingdom of God with him for all eternity. And God's love's not cheap. God's love's not stingy. You can look at your past and say, there is no way you would accept me. But the only thing that sort of qualifies us to be in a relationship with God is the sin that we bring into it and say, God, take this from me. Allow me to put on the new self. I want Jesus. Change my heart, Lord. Make me more like you. 
Remember what I said, it's just a giving over to God. Giving him what he wants in your life rather than trying to buy and scrap and strive in your own strength. And so today, if you've not made that commitment, um, you're more than welcome to talk to me. You don't have to. You can talk directly to God and you can ask Jesus to enter into your life. That's when things change. That's when you get the power to be a Christian. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much that, Lord, your servant Paul was enamored by your love. He was so captivated by it, Lord, that he gave up his life as a drink offering for our faith, for his people's faith. And, Lord, I pray that you do a mighty work within our own hearts, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would show us areas of our life, Lord, where we need to submit them back to you, where we need to come back, Lord. There has been no greater time in history where Christians can have the world flood into their house, flood into their community, flood into this country. And Father, this is the time to be in your presence. This is the time to be led by you because things are going to continue to go from bad to worse. But Lord, we fear not because you are with us. And so bless us as we go about our week. In Jesus' name, amen.